I am glad you're here. We are uh, in a series called Philippians. My name is Fred. I'm the lead pastor here. If I didn't get a chance to meet you on the way in, I would love to introduce myself to you on the way out and kind of get to know you a little bit. But I want want to start off uh, with a question for us as we dive into our message today. Uh, And the question is simply this. Anybody in here love asking for help? Right? Like, Like, guys... We know where we're going, right? It's the GPS that's wrong, right? You know, that's, that's an easy target. You know, guys get a bad rap all the time for never wanting to pull over and ask directions. And, and there's a lot of reasons behind that. But, but we don't like to ask for help, right? Our kids, students, you're in class, teachers teaching, you tune out for just a little bit. Right, maybe the whole class, just a little bit. It comes time to do the assignment. You have no clue what you're doing. Don't you love raising your hand and saying, hey, uh, I heard everything you said, but I don't know what we're doing. I have no idea, right? Like literally one time in third grade, I remember this because of the reaction of the teacher. It was not one that I would recommend, but um, we had, is when they taught handwriting in school, right? And so, the day before, we had just done lowercase c's, and I loved them because it was like filling a page full of ocean waves, right? That's what it was. It was so much fun. The next day, we do the lowercase i, where you're supposed to go up and do all these and then dot them. Well, when she started to describe it, all I could think about was those lowercase c's. So I completely tuned her out. I, the only reason I know we did lowercase i's is because of what happened afterwards. All I could remember was those lowercase c's. And so she said, okay, and this is all I heard her do. After, after she started describing it, I toned out to, tuned out to just think about all those c's that I did yesterday. And I tuned back in to hear her say, okay, whatever you do, don't do a lowercase c. Guess what I turned in a page of? Lowercase c's, because I didn't want to ask for help. If you were a teacher and you said, whatever you do, don't do lowercase c's, what would your response be when a student turned in a page of lowercase c's? Because that was her response. It wasn't good. So that's students. What about when you're at the grocery store, right? What about when you're at the grocery store and you, you have one more item on your list and you know where it's supposed to be, but it's not there? Right? If you're like me, you will walk up and down 20 aisles checking every end cap instead of doing what? Asking for help, right? Because here's the hard truth is this. Asking for help is just hard. See, we don't, we don't like to ask for help. And not just in the little things like items at the grocery store or help from your teacher or even directions. We don't really like to ask for help in big things either. We will, we will YouTube and Wikipedia and WebMD, which by the way, don't. You're three clicks to death every time you go on WebMD. <laughs> or TED Talk, something to, we'll, 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 we'll explore every area we can instead of just asking for help. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a minute and think. Where is asking for help hard for you? Right, where is asking for help hard for you? Where in your life have you prayed about something and God seems to be silent? Where in your life have you thought maybe this? Maybe you thought, 
I should be able to do this. But you can't. I should be able to do this. You see, for me, it's hard to admit when I'm not enough. It's hard to admit when I've hit my limit. I would imagine it's hard for you to admit when you're not enough. It's hard for you to admit when you've reached your limit. But what we're going to see today is how God has designed this thing called the church. And not just Fellowship Asheville, but 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 the gathering of all of his people, the gathering of, 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 of the followers of Jesus. He has designed this thing called the church to be a place where, brace yourself, right? To be a place where we receive help. Now here's the focus of this. I could talk about giving help, right? Because that feels better, doesn't it? But today, we're going to focus on receiving help because that's hard to do. And I invite you today to think about this place in your life where you need help but haven't asked. Maybe you've asked God and he's being silent and maybe he's being silent because he wants to work through his people to help you. And so today, I want you to think about that area of your life because today, our task is to receive the right kind of help from the right kind of people because when we do, there is a level of joy and a level of freedom available there that the Lord would have for us that we can't experience any other way. Now, we're gonna be in Philippians chapter two. If you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in chapter, chapter two, verses 19 through 30. If you need a Bible, there's one in front of you and you can use that Bible. It's on page 817 of that Bible. And we're calling our study in the book of Philippians Eclipse because, because here's what we're seeing. And by the way, too, you can also download the Bible app and click under events and click under Fellowship Asheville and the announcements are there, the scriptures are there. And I'll even tell you this too. If you go there, you will see that I've posted some questions to help you work through how to, how, to, how to move from thinking about this place that you need help to actually asking somebody for help and to asking the right person for that kind of help. So, so utilize that Bible app as a great way to kind of move uh, from thinking about needing help to actually getting help. But we're calling this study Eclipse because of what we're seeing as we work our way through the book of Philippians. Because Philippians is a book about joy. Right, and, and it's a book about joy that's available to you in the Lord because of this Jesus-bought relationship with God that this joy of the Lord is available to you 24-7 through the ups and downs of life. It is always available. But what happens in our experience, like Cam prayed, is that there are times where we forget that. And we're calling this series Eclipse because there are times where we will let things eclipse our joy available to us in the Lord. And an eclipse is this great picture of it because, because I, I've shared this before. If, if my fist was about the size of the moon, the size of the sun would be equivalent to this entire back wall. And if this was our relationship with God, that entire back wall would be the joy and love and freedom found only in this Jesus-bought relationship with God that is shining all the time. And yet, we let these little bitty things eclipse all of that light. That is the mysterious part of an eclipse, that something small like this could dim the light of something huge like that. But as we've talked about it, 
we said the, 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 the way to fix an eclipse is you change your perspective because where you are determines what you see. And if you're in the line of an eclipse, if you're in the shadow path of it, it's fully, you, you experience this full eclipse. But if you go down the road a couple of hours, life is normal again. And so as we've gone through the book of Philippians, we've highlighted these things that eclipse our joy in the Lord. And my hope is that we will use this time together to get a different perspective and to move from being in the shadow of that moon to being in the full brightness of the sun. And today, what we're gonna see is that there is great freedom and joy when we receive help from each other. When we let our own desire of self-sufficiency, because that's, that's the eclipse, is when we, like a toddler, just wanna say, I do it myself. Right? Our souls say that, don't they? That self-sufficiency is what eclipses us from the joy of the Lord, and it covers this God-given need to receive help from each other. And what we're going to do today is we're going to see the, the type of people that we go to in help from two different people that Paul is going to highlight. And he's sending these two, two well, he wants to send both of them to, to the church in Philippi to help them out there. And we're going to use them by way of application to kind of see what, what kind of qualities to look for in the people to ask for help from. And because today what we're going to do is we're going to see when we need help but we don't really ask for it, that there's joy there. And in particular, we're going to see this. We're going to see that we experience joy when we receive the right help from the right people. Let's look at verse 19. Verse 19 says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered of news for you, news, um, uh, cheered by news of you. Now, <clears throat> you remember, if you remember, Paul is in prison right now. He's under house arrest. Timothy is there with him um, uh, because when you're under house arrest, you can't work, you can't provide for yourself. You have to have people supply your food and supply your needs and even, even help you just live daily. And so Timothy is there with Paul doing this. And, and you'll see in this section of scripture that we're talking about that there's letters that go back and forth between, between the church and Philippi and Paul. And, and you know, it's not like today where you had Instagram and Facebook and you can kind of see what people are doing. You had to have these letters letters get couriered back and forth. And sometimes those letters would take weeks, months, depending on the distance. They'd even take years to get from one place to another, if they even made it. And so, so Paul and Timothy, Timothy is one of those people that has carried letters back and forth and has heard news from Philippi. And, and, and so that's kind of their relationship. Now, what we also know about Timothy is that, is that Paul um, was, was part of Timothy coming to know Jesus. And, and Paul was the one who mentored and discipled Timothy about what it means to be a Christian and even what it means to be a pastor. Because you see, later in your New Testament, Paul writes letters to Timothy when he's pastoring called First and Second Timothy. And so we see that he is a young pastor. And, and Paul thinks by, very highly of him, so much so that he wants to send this young pastor to, to Philippi because he knows that that church there can benefit from his leadership. Well, look at how else Paul describes Timothy, because in Timothy, we're gonna see the, the right type of person that can provide the right type of help. In verse 20, it says, for I have no one like him. In other words, in, in all the people that have worked with Paul and have ministered with Paul and to Paul, Timothy stands out from the crowd for one particular reason. Look at this in verse 20. 
It says, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And so Timothy, he is concerned about those in the church in Philippi. But, but if you notice, Paul added this little, this little modifier to his concern. He's not just concerned about their well-being. He's concerned about something else. His, his interest is in Jesus Christ. And so he's not just concerned about how's your mama doing, right? He's concerned about what's Jesus doing in your mama, right? What's Jesus doing in this church? And he's wondering, his concern is what Jesus is doing in and through them. And so Timothy, Paul's painting this picture of Timothy that he's the type of guy that when these letters go back and forth, when Timothy reads them and, and, and he's going over them, man, he's getting excited that the church in Philippi is growing. He's, he's getting excited about the numerical growth. But what his concern is, though, is are people coming to know the Lord? Are they, are they, are they saying yes to Jesus? If he's listening, are there stories of conversion where people are placing their faith in Jesus for their salvation from their sin? He's listening for stories of deeper faith. Are they trusting God in areas where there used to be fear and now there's trust and there's faith and they're taking bold steps of faith? When letters come to him and Paul from Philippi, I wonder if he's combing over them looking to see if conflicts have been resolved in the church looking to see if leaders are developed, looking to see if widows and orphans are being cared for. You see, we receive the right kind of help from the right type of person who has the right type of concerns. You see, Timothy has his finger on the pulse of what matters. His concern is what Jesus is doing in and through this church in Philippi. You see, when you need Help, you want it from a person who is concerned about your faith. About what Jesus is doing in and through you. Because what this person does is they let you vent. But they don't let that venting turn into gossip. Because when you're done venting and, and you feel, whew, got that off my chest. Well, now it's on their shoulders, right? And this person will look at you and says, wow, that... That's got to be really difficult. Tell me what Jesus is doing in you about that. Tell me what Jesus is doing through you. Gosh, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are you showing that to them? Does your boss see that in you? What is Jesus doing in you? As a matter of fact, maybe this is the type of person that's so concerned about what Jesus is doing in and through you when you vent to them, they go, gosh, thank you for sharing that with me. I'm so honored you would do that. Let me help you talk to that person because this has got to be resolved. You see, to get the right help from the right kind of person, they have to have the right concern. Look at verse 22. It says, but you know Timothy's proven worth. And I love this description because it kind of takes me back to my, to my Texas uh, upbringing because in Texas we had this phrase that this wasn't his first rodeo, 
right? What that meant in Texas is that the person you're looking at has experience in doing whatever it is that you're asking them to do. And that's what Paul is saying about Timothy. The word that he uses, it has a couple of meanings. It means that, that, that his proven worth is like an experiment. You know, you, scientists do experiments to get the same results. Because if you get the same results, it means you're on to something. If your results keep changing up when you do the experiment, it means that something's wrong with the experiment. Timothy is a good experiment. He keeps getting the same results. It's even, the word is even used of a trial sometimes, that when when a person goes to trial and all the evidence is laid out, there is a verdict that is declared. And Paul is declaring the verdict on Timothy that, man, he, you can trust this guy. You see, and we receive the right help from the right person who has the right experience. And we know this to be true, Right? What would you do if you were laid up in the hospital bed, about to go into surgery, and the surgeon comes in with a little bit of sweat dripping from his head, and he's like, sorry, I'm so sorry, y'all. I'm a little nervous. This is my first surgery. (laughs) Like, anybody in here want to be a surgeon's first surgery? No, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't. We want help from people who have a proven track record. And Paul gives Timothy this glowing endorsement. Look at how else he describes him in the rest of verse 22. It says, but but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So, so not only does Paul want to go there, he really wants to send Timothy. Remember, he's in, in prison and has an expecting trial coming up, and he's, he's hoping that the verdict will be good, and so he can, he can join them. But he uses this term with Timothy like, like a son to a father, and he uses this family term to describe their relationship. Now, Paul and Timothy aren't father and son. Right? But we do know that, that Paul mentored and discipled Timothy. And so in many ways, Paul was like a father figure to Timothy, and Timothy was like a son to Paul. And they treat each other as, as more than friends and coworkers. They treat each other like family. And y'all, the scriptures speak to this, this family bond that we have as a church. And so you get the right help from the right person who has the right type of relationship. And in the Bible, this term is, there's a term used to describe how we relate to one another. And it's not friends. It's, it's not, it's not um, um, co-workers. The term is we are brothers and sisters. Whenever, whenever a, a New Testament writer writes to a church, he uses this term to describe the relationship that we all have with each other, and it's brother and sister. And here's what it means. It means that when you say yes to Jesus and you become a Jesus follower, which by the way, do y'all know where that term Jesus follower came from? It came from the image in the, in the scriptures of how when somebody listened to Jesus' teaching and they wanted to align themselves with Jesus' teaching, do you know what they would do? They would literally follow him from city to city as he taught. They would go with him. And that was their way of identifying with he is our rabbi. He is our teacher. And where he goes, we will go. And that's what a picture of a disciple is. It is a person who follows Jesus. And when you say yes to Jesus, you become part of this family where we're all following the same guy. 
And wherever he goes, we go, and we do that together. And we are brothers and sisters. We're not orphans anymore. We're children. We're part of the family because we're all the children of God. When we say yes to Jesus because of what Jesus has done, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, we have this Jesus-bought relationship with God that makes us all brothers and sisters. Now, with family, that means some things, doesn't it? Right? Somebody once told me, shake every family tree and a few nuts will fall. Right? We're all family, which means all of us who follow Jesus are part of the same family. The ones who look good on the outside but aren't so pretty on the inside and the ones who don't look so pretty on the outside but glow on the inside. We're all family. That also means that we're family no matter what. Now, my mom is one of 13 kids. So in Texas, where I grew up, anytime I went to Walmart, well, that's an exaggeration, almost anytime I went to Walmart, there was family there. And they may be like a second or third cousin, and sometimes I knew their names and sometimes I didn't. I remember Stacy and I were at Walmart one time, and I was like, okay, I've got a family member at the end of the aisle, and I don't know their name, so let's go to the next aisle. Right? Because I knew they were family. I just couldn't know their name. I just didn't know their name. And family is family no matter what. Because here's the deal. Remember, where is Paul right now? He's in jail. He's under house arrest. And yet Timothy is right by his side. Because family is family no matter what. See, the right person with the right relationship who can give you the right kind of help, they stick around like family. The right person to provide the right help doesn't leave when relationships get hard. You know why? Every relationship gets hard. Y'all agree with that? Every relationship gets hard? Yes, you don't have to elbow, but just yes. Right? Every relationship gets hard. Whether spoken or unspoken, there is this deep loyalty between us as brothers and sisters, and the right person understands that. That they are with you through the thick and thin and ups and downs. And another quality to the right person of the right relationship is not only that they stick around like family, but, but family has this, this intimate involvement in your life, don't they? Like a son can ask a father anything. And either the father will give him an answer or find out the answer. There's no closed doors. And family can have all access all the time. Family are there when you need them, and if they're like my family, they're there when you don't expect them, right? Seriously, we've had two aunts do this, separate aunts, same side of the family, but separate aunts, same side of the family. One of them lives in Virginia, and we got a phone call, and she said, Fred Jr., because that's what they call me on that side of the family, Fred Jr., we're about 15 minutes out, we'll be at your house in about 10, 15 minutes. Now, here's the problem. We didn't know if that meant they were spending the night we didn't know if that meant they were spending the week. We didn't know if that meant they were just stopping off for a glass of iced tea. We didn't know. So we grabbed the sheets off the guest bed, threw them in the wash, and put on a pot of iced tea, you know, started making iced tea just in case. Another family member, another aunt, completely different aunt from Missouri, was doing, no offense, but was doing one of those old people tours where you hop on a bus and you go somewhere. They left Missouri and came to the Biltmore Estate. 
She didn't call me because she didn't know how much time she would have. So I had no idea she was in town. I had no idea she was on this tour. But suddenly, 15 minutes opened up in their tour. So she called me from the Biltmore Estate and said, Fred Jr., I'm at the Biltmore Estate and I want to see you. (laughs) So I got in my car and drove to the Biltmore Estate. Because family shows up when you don't expect them. Family shows up when you need them. And family shows up when you don't expect them. You see, the right person to provide the right help not only sticks around like family, but they show up like family. Y'all, you wanna freak somebody out in this church? Show up and just ring their doorbell. Right, because we don't do it anymore, do we? Stacy and I had some free time one night and we were like, oh, let's go over to this friend's house and just see what they're doing. Freaked them smooth out. He was in his pajamas and it was like seven o'clock. It was like... Like, I never do that, but, but showed up, and we sat on their front porch and visited for a little bit after he stopped freaking out that we were just, that the pastor just showed up on his front door. But see, the right person with the right relationship shows up like family. They are there when you don't expect them, and they are there when you need them. See, I have a group of guys that I know I could text them and say, I need your help. That could be all the text says. They would clear their schedule, they would hop in their car, and they would come to where I am. If I got a text from them saying that, I would clear my schedule, hop in the car, and go to where they are. Family is there when you need them. Family is there when you don't expect them. You see, this is what brothers and sisters in Christ do. Now, y'all, remember, the area I said for you to think about where you need help. The area where you should be able to handle something, but you can't. Think about who you would ask for help. Who, who is that person? Do they care about Jesus in and through you? Do they have a proven track record? Now notice, Paul didn't say Timothy had a perfect track record. He said he had a proven track record. Trust me, the right person isn't the perfect person. They are a proven person. So they have a proven track record. And do they show up and are they committed to stick around? Because if so, saints, that's the right person to ask for. that They can give you the right kind of help. But there's another person that Paul's going to describe. And from him, we see this other aspect of the right person to give the right kind of help. Look at verse 25. It says, I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother. Now, now brother is that family term again. It means that he is part of, a, of this family of God through Jesus, that he is a Jesus follower. He said yes to Jesus, and, and he's there helping Paul along too. Let's, let's find out more about him in verse 20, the rest of verse 25. It says, I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and it has been distressed because he heard because you heard that he was ill indeed he was ill near death but God had mercy on him and not only on him but on me also lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow I'm more eager to send him therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious so there's this little part that Paul wants them to know because remember letters have gone back and forth and apparently the last letter that they got told them that Epaphroditus was sick 
and near death. And so this church was concerned, you know, is, is he alive or is he dead? What's going on? And so Paul's letting them know he is alive this guy as a fellow worker and a fellow soldier. Now, fellow worker is this term that Paul uses to describe somebody who's working shoulder to shoulder alongside of him, doing ministry, advancing the kingdom of God. So this guy, Epaphroditus, isn't just scrolling through Paul's feed on Facebook, just liking what he does, saying, good on you, Paul, I'm so proud of you. He's in the trenches with Paul. He's doing ministry with Paul. He's, he's right there beside him. And it also says, it also says not only is he, is he a fellow worker, he's a fellow soldier, which means he's a spiritual warrior along with Paul. What, what Paul prays for, Epaphroditus prays for. What, what Paul sees God doing, Epaphroditus sees that and prays for that and prays against what Satan is doing. And so this guy isn't a spectator in Paul's fight. He's in the ring with Paul fighting alongside of him. And you see, you receive the right help from the right person who's fighting alongside you, who is shoulder to shoulder with you. And so how do you know if the person that you need help from is the right person? Here's what you do, church. You look to your left and you look to your right. Who's in the ring with you? Who's in the ring with you? Look down your row. Look across the circle in your growth group. They're in the ring with you. Because, saints, listen to me. We are family. We are this Jesus bought and paid for family. We are brothers and sisters together. And we are people who fight alongside each other. Look at verse 29. Verse 29 says this, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. In other words, listen, these guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus, these are special guys. God is doing something special in their midst, and so pay attention to them. Think about that thing that you honor in your house, right? Maybe it's your, it's your stash of chocolate that you put in the place where the kids can't see, right? The kids' candy is someplace else. Yours is up high, right? Because it's special. Paul is saying these guys are to be honored because God is doing something special in them. Y'all, as your pastor, I'm gonna tell you, I have seen lots of churches in my ministry. God is doing something special here at Fellowship. God is doing something special here in this city of Asheville. The fact that we have churches coming together tonight to worship together at this place called Mothlight, which apparently I am way too cool to even know what that is. But, but I mean, wait, not too cool enough to know. You know what I mean. I'm not a moth that's been drawn to that light yet, but tonight, tonight will be the night. But the fact that we have churches coming together to do that, y'all, that is rare in a city of any size. 
And God is doing something, which is why I can, I can fully believe if you look to your left and you look to your right, there is a person sitting here that can give you the help that you need, the help that you have been waiting to ask for, been afraid to ask for. God has that person here for you because God is knitting and weaving this church together. And maybe one of those stitches is for you to be able to have someone to ask and receive help from. Because this is a special place. And look at verse 30. For he nearly died. So this is Paul talking about Epaphroditus. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So this guy, Epaphroditus, we know that he was sick and almost died, but Paul also wants this church in Philippi to realize that not only did he almost die because he was sick, he almost died and doing ministry. Like this is, is who this guy is, that he's willing to take the risk and make the sacrifice and do the extra thing. So let me ask you a question, church. How, how are you feeling right now? How are you feeling with the idea of asking for help? Does it seem overwhelming? Like did God not remind you of one thing, but maybe brought like 20 things to mind or maybe one thing that's so big one person can't do it is that is that overwhelming or maybe you you you're 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 feeling overwhelmed because you think somebody's going to ask you for help that they're going to look at you to be the right person and you know your heart and you know your soul and you're like there is no way in the state of my life that I can provide help for anybody well let me give you hope because our gospel, our gospel is the source of everything. You see, our gospel is all you need to ask for help. And our gospel is all you need to be the person to become the right person to give help. And the reason I know that is because of this last guy, Epaphroditus. Because here's what's interesting. His name, now, now, listen, I am not this smart. I read a book that told me this about this guy, right? But his name, Epaphroditus, is taken from a gambling term, Epaphroditos. The ending's different. Instead of U.S., it's O.S. And it's in Greek. And so, so there's this Greek goddess named Aphrodite, right? Anybody heard of Aphrodite? Right? She's the Greek goddess of love, of pleasure and of gambling because that falls under the category of pleasure. And this guy's parents named him after a, 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 a phrase that they would say, a word that they would say when they were gambling. There was this dice game that they would play and as they were gambling, they would roll the dice and say, Epaphroditus, which means Aphrodite, give me luck. And this guy's parents named him after that saying, because they wanted the goddess, of, the goddess Aphrodite to give him luck and to give him pleasure and to give him love and to make his life be whatever makes him happy. But somewhere along the way, somebody told this guy about Jesus. Or maybe they told his parents about Jesus after he was born and he told them, we don't know. All we know is that somehow this guy ran into the gospel. And when he was told that the pleasure that he seeks, the, the love that he seeks, the light, the, 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 um, 
the luck that he seeks, that that can't be fulfilled in the world. There is only one way to experience true happiness, and it's not in the pleasure and, and, and luck of gambling. It is in the love of God found in Jesus. And when he said yes to that, his life changed from being a person who seeks pleasure to a person whose parents wanted him to have pleasure in life to a person whose life is dedicated to the service of God and the help of other people. The gospel made Timothy and Epaphroditus the right kind of people to go to for the right kind of help. You see, that same gospel is what you believe. That same gospel that Jesus died for your sins to give you this good and right relationship with the God who loves you and the God who created you, that gospel is all you need to be the right person, to give the right kind of help. And so today, let me ask you a question. Do you need that gospel today? Do you need Jesus today? If so, let today be the day that you say yes to that gospel, the fact that he died for you to have an intimate and personal relationship with God. And let today be that day. And for those of you who have already done that, do you need help today? Is there an area in your life that should be handled, but it's not? Do you have the right people around you to get the right kind of help that you need? If not, I've got a couple of ways for you to do that, a few ways for you to do that. One, let me tell you where to find them. If you're in a circle, if you're in a growth group or a focus group, look across from you in that group and there's a right person sitting there. Maybe it's your leader, maybe you're in re-engage, You've got your leaders. Maybe you're in financial peace right now. You've got your leaders there. Maybe you're a student in student ministry and you need help with something. You have got, you have got leaders who bank their life on that gospel and they are the right person to go to for help. They don't have a perfect track record. They have a proven track record. Or maybe, maybe Your help today is finally verbalizing the help that you need to somebody who can pray for you. And you can do that a couple of ways. We've got a card, a little prayer card in 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 the pews there. You're welcome to write your name and prayer request on the back of that and stick it in the offering boxes and they will pray for you. Or I've got something even better. We're gonna have people up here after the service. So we're gonna sing a song. We're gonna talk to you about the logo And then we're gonna have a team of people coming up here that would love to pray with you and get in the ring with you. And so if your help today is needing prayer, come up after the service and let us pray with you for whatever it is that you need help with. Because y'all, God is doing something special here. And let's not ignore that. Let's embrace it and let's celebrate it And let's be each other's brothers and sisters. Let's pray.